broadcasting live from the Santa Lucia Highlands through the heart of the Casterville Artichoke Fields, westward to the Elkhorn Slough, and south to the rugged Big Sur coastline. You're listening to What's the Plan? A weekly discussion with local thought leaders about the future of Monterey County. And now, here's your host, Mr. Paul Wyant. Good afternoon, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today. My guest today is Supervisor Wendy Root Askew. She's serving as the supervisor for Monterey County's 4th District. She was recently elected and sworn into office on January 5th of 2021. If you want to learn more about Wendy, you can go to wendyrootaskew.com and a lot of information on that page. Before we begin, let me remind you that if you cannot listen to our shows here on Power Talk, at 1.30 on Saturdays, you can listen to us anytime on podcast platforms like iTunes, Spotify, or Google Play. Just Google, what's the plan, Monterey? And you can go to our website, what's the plan, Monterey.com, and listen there. I'm Paul Wyant, owner of Express Employment Professionals of Monterey County. If you want to learn more about how we can help your business with employment and staffing, give me a call today, 831-920-1230, or you can go to expresspros.com and look for the Monterey County office. So welcome to the program, Wendy. Thank you so much for coming on. Uh, My first question, of course, is going to be about COVID and the pandemic. I know there's uh, been a lot of efforts by the county um, to distribute the vaccine. And also there's been a lot of work by the county to get additional vaccines into the county because we weren't originally given the proper proportion of of vaccines that, that we were supposed to get based on our population. Can you talk a little bit about, um, you know, just coming into office and your work getting us uh, through this COVID pandemic? Yeah, I think uh, so that, so coming into the the Board of Supervisors seat in January, right as vaccines were beginning to roll out, being um, uh, appointed by my colleagues as chair of the board, really COVID became just central to every day. Everything I was working on was trying to get up to speed, make sure that our systems were working. And it became very apparent very quickly that Monterey County was not receiving our fair share of vaccinations. The state allocation process um, was in many ways relying on distribution through these multi-county health entities. Monterey County doesn't have one. We're the largest county, significantly larger than any other county that does not have access to an MCE. And so we were feeling that uh, in a a lack of vaccines coming in. We also have, um, if if you look at... um, how the state originated their distribution, they were basing it on uh, sending vaccines out to healthcare workers. Monterey County is already a healthcare desert, so to speak. We don't have tremendous, you know, university healthcare systems here. So we were once again disadvantaged in terms of the calculations. And then finally, you add on top of that, we have huge numbers of seasonal agricultural workers who are just simply not counted in our base population count. So it was like everything that possibly could have been stacked against Monterey County was resulting in a lack of vaccine to meet the like absolutely critical needs of our of our residents. So can you talk about like where to get a vaccine, additional monies for vaccine? I think there's an additional five or six million dollars that just came out from for vaccines. And then where what citizens are doing or what what, what those outreach programs kind of look like? Yeah, so maybe backing up into that is um, just on a very basic level, we needed more doses coming into Monterey County. Um, and so there's different ways that doses are flowing. We have federal vaccine allocation. Um, 
So we got on the phone with our Congress members and we, you know, started shaking the trees and we got on the, you know, on the line with the VA and we said, we need, we need VA doses coming into Monterey County. We need federal pharmacy partnership doses coming into Monterey County. We need um, FQHC clinic partnership doses coming into Monterey County. And at the same time, and so those doses started flowing, right? We started getting up to, I believe, 2000 doses. So anyone who's associated with the Veterans Administration, anyone in our military community who is um, eligible for VA, uh, the VA is now providing vaccines to the 20,000 veterans who live um, in Monterey County. Those are federal doses that don't count against our state allocation. Um, all of our FQHC uh, clinics, so in, we have 160,000 Monterey County residents who are on Medi-Cal. Um, and so they all receive uh, health care through their clinic, through the, the Monterey, um, you know, and on the peninsula, it would be like the Seaside Family Health Center, the Marina Family Health Center. Uh, we have clinics throughout Salinas. They're now getting direct federal vaccines. So um, those folks, are, their doctors are actually calling people to schedule their appointments. Clinica de Salud started getting federal Application, uh, and that's how they're now able to do these mass vaccine clinics in partnership with our agricultural community. Um, so little by little, we started seeing doses increase, but it hasn't, um, it, at the same time, we're also, the Board of Supervisors um, has been so loud and so clear and so consistent in our advocacy to the state of California that the state needs to recognize the equity issues that are at place, the systemic disparities that exist when you don't look at the data to distribute vaccinations. Um, so we've uh, made it clear to the state that we have seasonal agricultural workers who are here and we need to get them vaccinated. We've made it clear to the state that without one of these MCEs, we are at an ongoing disadvantage. Um, our hospital partners, uh, SVMH, Me Memorial, Natividad, CHOMP, um, they've been doing vaccine clinics. I think CHOMP just hit 20,000 uh, vaccinations that they've given. And right now, these are all kind of in these clinic pods. So as we get vaccine, they post the, the link to the appointment. And at this point, with the folks who are currently eligible in Monterey County, it's roughly like 250,000 Monterey County residents are eligible for a vaccination. However, when you look at the data about how many vaccines are coming into Monterey County, a month ago, we were like at two to 4,000 vaccines per week. It was never going to meet the need. This this time, at this point, we're now closer to two, 15 to 20,000 vaccines coming into Monterey County per week, which is significantly more than it was, but with 250,000 people eligible, it's nowhere near what we need uh, to to distribute vaccine to everyone. So, well, that's that's interesting. So, I, I wanted to ask about like outreach. So, part of it is having enough vaccines, but then there's part of it about awareness and getting the actual eligible people into a clinic where they can get a vaccine, or even knowing mm -hmm. where to go, because that requires a certain amount of uh, sleuthing, a little bit, just to even know where to go, or you know, all this other stuff. And that, is that where the five million dollars that just came in? Is that where it came in? Is that for like a yeah. community outreach, or what is that? Can you describe that? So, Paul, I'm just going to call it what the way that I see it. And this may not be a popular thing to say, but what we're seeing is that it's privilege. That's what that is what allows people to get access to a vaccine right now. It's privilege of having access to the internet to be able to navigate these websites. It's privilege in being able to speak English and having technical capacity. 
um, and and being able to uh, be available on the internet to schedule that appointment when the appointments gets posted. So very quickly, we started seeing dramatic disparities in who was able to schedule their appointment. The appointments were getting filled within 15 minutes of being posted online. And the people who were getting the appointments were not people who didn't speak English. They were not people who were working during the day. And so the county has had to make very intentional policy decisions about how do we disrupt and overcome these systemic inequities that exist in our county and in our communities. Um, one of the things that we did um, is to uh, invest $5 million in a community uh, health worker program. So of the total, uh, it's approximately $75 million that the county has spent on COVID response so far. And that doesn't include the money that we're getting ready to spend moving forward. But as of, you know, March 5th, the beginning of this month, Monterey County as an organization has invested $75 million in uh, COVID response. Five million of that went specifically to this community health worker program so that we hire uh, community health workers who go out into the community um, in very specific targeted uh, zip codes and uh, census tracts that are um, that represent communities that really don't have the privilege that I was referencing before. Um, letting those folks know going door to door saying, you know, here's how you can get tested. Oh, did someone in your house test positive? Here's how you can access isolation housing. Oh, wow, your children are out of school and you don't have internet. Here's how we can get you hooked up to internet. It's really just this one-to-one, very relationship-based way to connect people who um, are experiencing significant need right now to the services that are available. It's one thing for the county to say, oh, we're offering isolation housing. So anyone who tests positive, who doesn't have the ability to isolate within their home, well, we've got a hotel room ready and waiting for you, and we've got income replacement programs. But if the people who need to access that service don't know that it exists, it's really not helping anyone. So um, we don't, as a county, get to pat ourselves on the back and say, oh, yeah, we offered the program, but no one took us up on it. No, like we've got to go the extra mile to make sure that people know about um, how to keep themselves safe, how to keep their families safe, um, and, and what, what, what's out there available to them. And so the Community Health Worker Program is just one of those strategies that we're using. It, it hired 100 health workers um, and runs the program for six months. We've contracted with the Community Foundation to administer the program. And uh, within that contract, there's a number of different partners, the city of Seaside, the city of Gonzales. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, my goodness, there's a whole long list of nonprofits who are working in partnership with that program. That's fantastic. That that leads into my next question. So I talked uh, last week with Michael DeLapa, and, and uh, you can go back and Listeners can go back and listen at whatstheplanmonterey.com and listen to that conversation. He is uh, the head CEO of uh, Landwatch Monterey, and uh, it was a great conversation, but we talked a little bit about housing and equitability of housing, and I know you ran on some kind of uh, a housing for all kind of stance, and the, the argument that I would make is, according to my calculations or the internet or Google, rents are 70% more in Monterey County than the national average, okay? Amazon.com, supermarkets, gas stations cost the same here as they do anywhere else in America. You could go to probably Memphis 
and it would probably be very similar as far as maybe gas be slightly less, but but Amazon.com certainly the same, and supermarkets are very similarly priced. So housing, as as a proportion of budget, is probably the most problematic thing. And I would say it's it's a hundred percent, or maybe ninety eight percent, created by governance. Insofar as like our prioritization of environmental issues or what kind of houses to build or apartment buildings to build or how to build density wise. So if you accept the premise that government has essentially caused the housing shortage through, you know, restrictions to building and zoning laws or where to build and stuff like that, how do we solve that? Or is the only way to bring down housing costs through through building more houses, I mean, or building the right kind of houses, like apartment buildings and things like that. So what, what's the larger plan as far as uh, providing housing that a $20 an hour employee can afford, which doesn't currently exist? Yeah, no, it doesn't exist. I think yeah, that's absolutely so. So let me back into this a little bit. So um, I was just reviewing the 2019 housing homeless census in Monterey County. We have 2,400 unhoused residents in Monterey County as of 2019. Some of those are in like a, a car, but I'm going to call them unhoused. Um, we uh, have uh, 8,000 as of two years ago, uh, homeless students, uh, according to a different, so the, the housing census, the homelessness census is a HUD definition. So that's 2,400 HUD defined homeless uh, residents in our county. Um, McKinney-Vento is how you define student homelessness. It's a different federal definition that we use. We have over 8,000 homeless students in Monterey County. And that includes children who are living double tripled up, living in garages, couch surfing from week to week. Um, and what we've seen during COVID is that the number of people who went from living in double, tripled up housing uh, to living in their car has increased. The number of people living in their car has gone to unhoused. Um, so we're watching sort of this spiral effect of people not being able to pay their rent, um, moving in with a friend or relative, then that situation falling apart. And, and so we're like watching this downward spiral. Um, so, so, when we talk about homeless solutions, really, like, there's nothing, we don't have enough resources here locally to be able to solve that um, issue. We really need uh, to uh, be working in partnership with a statewide and federal strategy that's going to allow us to move forward. So the state and feds have started investing resources into funding. And what we are doing locally at the county is uh, gearing up our staff so that we're prepared to take advantage of every single dollar that's coming from the state or feds that support housing projects. So um, on the homeless side, it looks like taking advantage of what we call permanent supportive housing, which is, you know, there's more money coming from the feds for that. On the state side, there's a ton of legislation that's working its way down uh, the pike that will uh, and in many cases, restrict the ability of local jurisdictions to limit additional housing and limit certain types of additional housing. So when we talk about the county's role, the county of Monterey's role in increasing housing supply here, the supervisors really only have authority and jurisdiction over the unincorporated parts of the county. So... Um, so there are policy decisions, and we just reviewed our general plan, um, five-year general plan work plan uh, yesterday at our board meeting. 
And within that general plan, it includes things like getting a nexus study done um, in the Castroville area so that we can ultimately reduce the traffic impact fees for new housing projects. All of these pieces fit together like this massive jigsaw puzzle. Um, and so we as a county need to be investing in the staff to do the planning work to make it easier for the types of housing that we want to have built, be built in the communities where we want them built. I personally, I'm not interested in seeing sprawl development out uh, impacting our agricultural um, uh, prime economic agricultural driving you know, force in our community. I am interested, very interested in seeing development of additional housing that our workforce can afford and having that housing built within transportation corridors and having it built where cities can provide the infrastructure, the recreation services, the police services um, that people expect to have available and that really make my life as a, as a resident in a community more vibrant um, and connected and healthier. So, so the challenge that we have as a county of Monterey is really how do we work in partnership with our cities to incentivize and support them in building the types of housing in the locations that we want it to happen. One of the only ways that we can do that right now, we're really limited. One of the only funding sources for that type of housing is through this inclusionary housing concept. So if you're a developer, Paul, and you want to develop um, a uh, housing development, uh, you know, in, in Marina, and you uh, have 20, you want to build 20 units. Well, inclusionary housing policy requires you to put some percentage of those units to low income housing. So for every 20 units, we're getting like three affordable units. Like we're never going to get to where we need to get to through this inclusionary housing policy. And in fact, I would argue that you as a developer are like, why should I have to subsidize uh, all these affordable units with my market rate units. So I think really on some sort of very big picture fundamental level, the the if we do if we if we do agree that what we want is more workforce housing, we're going to have to really think beyond our existing s systems and structures to be able to get to the goal that I think we all share. Mm -hmm. um, it just seems like there's no we know we need housing and you look out and there's no construction, <laughs> you know, mm -hmm. and that's, what's crazy. And, and uh, yeah, it would be, and I, and I understand it's, it's a city thing probably. Yeah. Um, well, and primarily. I mean, I'm not, and I'm not pointing the finger, right? Like, don't, don't yeah. get me wrong, Paul. I'm not pointing the finger. I, I, one of the things that I do take very seriously, my responsibility on the board is to build those relationships and to understand where the challenges are and to use the county resources to help overcome those challenges. And there's examples of that happening. And I think, I think one of the things the county doesn't do a very good job of is talking about our successes and talking about the places where we are doing the right thing and it is benefiting people. And that's why I wanted to highlight $75 million at 20 of that 20 million of that came from the county's strategic reserve right to yeah. meet like fundamental basic needs of the community nobody would know that if they weren't having a conversation with me or maybe one of my colleagues because we're not we're just doing the work we're not out there talking about it and championing it um the county is supporting the um the light Fetter village project here in marina which is 70 units for veterans 
I, it's a long-term thing. It's just cool that you guys are, you know, it's such a priority for you. I love that. So. Yeah. And, and, and I'm, and I think what I wanted to like highlight is that there's like very real tangible specific things that we have to do, right? Like we have to get this general plan implementation ordinances done so that we can eliminate the barriers and these fees and these other things that prevent development from happening. We also have to be taking advantage of every state and federal. So there's like the, the nuts and bolts of what's happening now. And then also we have to be building these relationships so that when the city of Marina needs assistance with something that's going to allow them to move a project forward, the county's right there either to advocate to the state, to put local dollars forward, to support their bond measure, whatever those things are that need to happen. Um, and we need to think beyond like this, this like box that we're currently in to say, if we collectively agree that we want higher density housing, and that we want to find a way to pay for it, like we're gonna figure it out if it's what we really want. But what we still experience, Paul, is NIMBY, I don't want that density, not in my backyard, yeah. not on my street. And so when those projects come forward, the pushback on local local electeds is real. And it's, it is a, the public, the public not actually wanting what you and I say we want, like is a barrier. And I think we have to acknowledge that. It, yeah, you see it in every one of the cities. Uh, so it's kind of, it is interesting. Cause like when you do, or the parking, you know, they're like, oh, well, we still have to have the parking rules. We can't change those, you know, so. We're, we're seeing that, we're seeing that conversation take place in Marina right now with the four story apartment building and parking conversations. And what, and so for anyone who's listening, right, if you want to be a part of the housing solution, if you want to be a part of making change, it's not just elect the right people. Like you have to be willing to engage in building the public will that will allow the changes to happen. And there are organizations like um, Monterey Bay Economic Partnership Housing Action Center, the organizations like California YIMBY, where they are following projects, they're pushing legislation, they're, they're alerting people to when and where they can show up to say yes, to yeah. overcome some of the no's. And if we, all of us, don't say, I'm gonna do my part to show up and say yes, the only people who are showing up are those who are there to say no. Yeah. Yeah. There's, and I'm sure there's plenty of laws uh, that allow them to say no with, with a, a legal backing and if they have a lawyer. So I, uh, shit, let's shift gears for towards the end of the conversation. Cause now you are the chair of the board. Is that correct? Of supervisors? I am. I just dove right into the deep end, Paul. It's, <laughs> it's a so good, that's a pretty a really... easy job, right? That was my first question. So that, now that we're done with that. <laughs> yeah. Well, so, and I think most people don't know, right? So the County Board of Supervisors, is a, it is a full-time job. It's not, you know, it's the first level of government in Monterey County that is, you know, I'm, I'm paid. It's my full-time job. Um, I, I have support staff. So our meetings are held every Tuesday. We have meetings that start at nine. And I think I got out of there yesterday at 6 p.m. We work through lunch with closed session. Um, there's upwards of 70 items varying like from random wide range of different topics that uh, we're reading like a ton of detail, having some discussions, um, giving direction to staff. So that's just one day. And then I sit on, I think it's two dozen additional boards and committees. This morning, I was at a transportation agency meeting. Uh, Monday evening, I was at a LAFCO meeting. So my days are packed full of these like legislative agency meetings. Yeah. I'm prepping for those meetings, but I'm also really trying to remain connected out in the community. Um, and one of the things that I, I took on as chair is that 
you know, we have 12 cities in our county. Um, each of the cities has a mayor and a city council. And during COVID, especially, the ability of the county to communicate and stay in close coordination with all of our city partners is so, so essential for us to be able to do, to deliver information, to keep everyone safe and healthy. And the information that comes from the state, like it changes, it feels like on an hour to hour basis. So we started hosting, um, well, Supervisor Lopez last year had started hosting a mayor's forum on Mondays. Um, I came in, I said, well, let's expand it. Let's include all of our city council members to be able to receive this information, to have a conversation with the health director and the health officer and the county, um, led, you know, county, uh, county folks. And so we've been hosting that. And it's really given me a chance to kind of start building some relationships with not just district four cities, but with cities throughout the county, with mayors throughout the county. So that as a county, when I'm making decisions, my interest and my focus isn't just on what's best for the county of Monterey government, the county, the jurisdiction of the county, but really what what does our collective larger whole, like what are the needs and what are they hearing in their communities and how can I make sure that I'm a voice for, um, for, for everyone in our community, um, especially those who don't have time to read 70 agenda items and show up every Tuesday at my board meeting. Yeah, I, I have to imagine that the, that the that list would vary widely from if you say King City versus Carmel, you're probably getting a different set of priorities. Well, I have to give credit. You mentioned the chamber and I'm talking about our cities and our mayors. I have never, I've grown up here. Like this has been my family's home for generations, right? So yeah. I've heard stories going back, you know, decades and decades about Monterey County and the divides and the battles that take place. Mm -hmm. I have never in my life experienced the kind of solidarity, the kind of uh, just shared values, shared focus um, as I've experienced this year, as we've been making clear to the state and the feds what the needs of Monterey County residents are. We've had letters uh, from the County Board of Supervisors um, with uh, supporting letters from every single uh, mayor in our county, from mm -hmm. all of our business leaders, from labor, from ag, um, from our state and federal adv uh, legislative representatives. Where we've all been saying the exact same thing to meet the needs of Monterey County residents. We need more vaccine. We need transparency and data. I have, it is, it's been just um, really mind blowing to me to have, like we've, we've been able to put aside the differences that we maybe have had and people have come together in a, in a way that I have never experienced. And I am so proud um, of our, of our, of just our shared focus and our, our voices have been heard because of the way that they've been aligned. It's, it's really been incredible. Can I ask you a, a real quick, small question? There's $1.5 billion in deferred maintenance on our roads and bridges. Is the county, I know the county has many other alligators, as they say, closer to the boat, but is the is the deferred road and bridge maintenance, is that on your radar? What, what are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I mean, that's the kind of infrastructure mess that my predecessors left to me. So thank you. <laughs> um, and it's the kind of deferred maintenance mess that I don't want to leave to my kid. And so two ways, two approaches to that, Paul. So the first one, I will just say, when we talk about building new roads, like, are we in any position to build new roads, right? I don't you think You have to maintain are. them. Yeah, you have to. Maintain. We're going to have to maintain them. And we clearly 
clearly are not doing a good job of maintaining the roads we already have. So, so let's start with that, right? This is a development question. This is where do we develop? How do we develop? What future obligations are we laying on our community to have to maintain? Um, and I don't think we're oftentimes giving that credence that it's due. Uh, and, and I will be very clear. I think I'm referencing the Eastside Parkway as I speak to that. Um, and the, the other piece of that is that, um, this deferred maintenance issue is also, uh, the roads are just one of those uh, situations. We also have um, a PERS, uh, PERS um, obligations oh, yeah. that we need to get in front of. We have a number of sort of these things that we've kicked down the road. And so I, I do really appreciate my colleagues on the board and they, I do feel like have a shared commitment to not leaving financial messes for the future. Well, unfortunately, we're going to have to cut it off there. My conversation with Wendy uh, went on for a little while longer. We covered PERS and some other topics. I hope to have Wendy back again in the future. She's a fantastic guest. Thanks a lot to uh, Miss Wendy Root Askew. She is the supervisor for County District 4 and you can learn more about her and the initiative she's working on at wendyrootaskew.com. I'm Paul Wyan, owner of Express Employment Professionals in Monterey County. At Express, we find great people to help your business run more smoothly. If you need help finding great staff, give us a call today, 831-920-1230. Thanks again to my guest, Miss Wendy Root Askew. And I'd also like to thank Mr. Mark Carbonero, the greatest producer in the business, and the great David Marzetti. He's the host of the Saturday Morning Shag Bag radio show. He helped me make this program possible, and you can listen to him every Saturday morning at 9 a.m. right here on 1460 a.m. and 101.1 FM. You've been listening to What's the Plan on Central Coast Power Talk. Make sure to check out my past shows at whatstheplanmonterey.com. Stay tuned for Business Sense Radio with Mr. Edward King up next. Some people get their kicks stomping on a dream.